Well, today we're talking about the journey. Strength for the Journey is a series that we're in. And if you're going to do well as a Christian, there are just some things that you need to know about uh, that are really going to help you. As a matter of fact, if you ignore them or you don't take advantage of what the Lord has, uh, you're just missing out on so much that he wants to give you. Today, we talk about a really important one called healing. Healing for the journey. I think of a story of a little boy who was working with his dad in the backyard, and there was a big rock that needed to be removed, and the boy said, let me get it, Dad. And he said, okay, son, you get it. So for half an hour, that little guy worked on the rock. He could barely move it. He went and got a shovel. He was trying to figure out how to get it from one spot to another. His dad watched from the kitchen window for a while, and then the boy came in and said, Dad, I can't get that rock. And he said, really, son, have you used everything available to you to, get, to move that rock? He said, Dad, I've done everything I can. Every means you have available to you, you've used. He said, yes, Dad, I have. And he said, no, son, you haven't, because you haven't asked me for help. He said, okay, Dad, would you help me? So Dad goes out, picks up the rock, moves it away, and together it was done. Well, what I want you to know is so often you go through life when it comes to things that you need and you try to do it by yourself. You try to navigate sickness, disease, trial, saying, okay, I'll just buck up, okay? I'll just try to do the right thing and have the right attitude. And God says to you, listen, I've got more than just making it through. I've got some miracles for you. I have power to heal a heart, a life, a relationship. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 about healing. It says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. So it starts out by saying there's a number of gifts, and I'm going to talk about one of those this morning, healing, that God has given to the body of Christ. And then it says this, verse 9, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit. So what is healing? What do we mean when we say healing? Here's a good definition. This is the Holy Spirit manifesting his desire to bring about healing in a body either instantly or over time. It usually is accompanied by the prayer of one, the one who relays the gift or passes it on to another. I want you to notice that the gift is, is not received by the one who prays. The gift is received by the one who's healed. And too often we, we think of healers or or other people, what God wants us to know today, and something I hope that you'll take home with you, is you can pray for healing. You don't have to wait for some great man or woman of God. You can pray for your family, and you say, well, I'm not a great man of God. I'm not a great woman of God. It's not your greatness that heals. It's faith in the one who is great. Abba, Father, Daddy, God, and here's the deal. This is why you need to take advantage of this. He has a totally compassionate heart towards you. He knows you and he completely loves you and he's all powerful. So Abba Father, Daddy God, knows you, loves you, and has power to release. Are you gonna ask him to help you? Well, that's our goal today is that we would come to that place. Let's pray. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would move among us today. Lord, it's true that we can't make things happen, but we can unleash your beauty, your power, your blessings among us by calling out your name and calling on you. So I ask, Lord, that before we leave here today, that hearts would be healed, that bodies would be healed, and that great things would happen, and, and the only place that the glory could go would be to your name. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So three things I wanna share with you about this healing that is available even to you. This may sound weird to you. I'm going to bring some balance to it. There are some people who, who have such a casual relationship between faith and healing that they really think it's my ability to, to believe it that's the key. 
Well, it's, it's not your ability to believe it that is the key. It's your ability to believe in him. He's the key, all right? So here's the first thought. God heals and faith is required. It's not faith in ourselves to believe it, but it's faith that he can do it and that he's loving and powerful. Faith is required, however. So let's look at what the Bible says about faith. This is called the faith chapter in Hebrews 11. And it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we need faith when we become a Christian, right? We have to believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he died for our sins. We need faith to believe God for all the good stuff he has, even healing. You can't please him without faith. That's what it says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then he says, if you have faith and you diligently seek me, I reward that. So that's not my words. Those are the words of God. You have faith in me, I reward that. I like it when you believe in me. That's what God's saying. Matthew 21, 21, we read more. This is Jesus talking now, and he says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, the balance of this is the Bible says in another place in James, if you ask according to his will, because God has a will that has us in mind and bringing glory to his name and blessing us. But, but he also heals bodies. So we, we pray by faith, we believe God, and we trust God. Jesus said this, we're still talking about faith now. You, you can't deny it, even though it's been abused and misused where people act like you just, you just have to say it and believe it and it happens. You still can't deny that faith is, is required. John 14, 12, the truth is anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater. So let's stop there for a moment. It didn't say the apostles who believe in me. It didn't say the preachers, the pastors, the elders who believe in me. What did it say? Anyone. That would include you. So, hey, I'm telling you, it is a wonderful thing, and you will get to see it someday if you pray and believe enough that God would heal someone. But you've got to open your heart up to the fact that he can work through a simple person like me to get that done. It's, I don't, I, I'm, I'm just the delivery person, right? But he can deliver his wonderful gifts through a person who has faith and believes in him. And you know what Jesus did? He walked around healing people everywhere he went. He said, these things I've done, and anyone who believes in me can do even greater. And then he said in verse 13, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it because the work of the Son brings glory to the Father. Yes, ask anything in my name and I will do it. Another place we see uh, that he couldn't do many miracles in one city because of their lack of faith. So there's a definite tie to faith and healing. Right, And what we do is we say, well, it's been so abused, I'm not even going to get involved there. No, no, no. I want you to have this resource of God. He wants you to have it available to you. Just because people have abused it doesn't mean it's not still real. Right? There's, we'll bring balance to this. But look what it says, that he didn't do many miracles there in that city because of their lack of faith in Matthew 13 there. So if we will have this simple faith to believe that he's good and pray to him, we'll see his miracles and his healings come to us. This is a story from a young lady <clears throat> from our church. She went to the high school here. 
And now she's graduated from college. And she says this, Dear Pastor Stan, I just received this this week. I cannot thank you enough for introducing the Draw the Circle book by Mark Batterson and the encouragement to participate in the 40-day prayer challenge. I had a handful of main prayer requests that I focused on during the challenge. And that was during January, first 40 days of this year. She says, but one of my biggest requests was the funding for graduate school this fall. Since my career goals aren't monetarily focused, but more nonprofit work, I knew I would not attend this program without complete financial provision from God. The cost of the program was $12,000, and I had zero, just returning from a six-month YWAM journey, uh, and it was expensive. Day after day, I brought this before the Lord. And one quote from the book, this is that uh, Draw the Circle book, said this, Work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. She said, that became my mantra. I filled out forms, applications, and scholarships because I knew I couldn't pray and just do nothing. The 40 days came and went with no news. And I continued to wait. Now, I want you to hear the simple faith in this because God requires faith to move. She said, I knew if God was directing me down this path, he would provide, even if it took only until, or it took until rather, the 12th hour. I knew my work had been done, and all I could do was continue to pray and wait patiently. But she has this sense of expectation that he's there, that he cares, that he's moving. She goes on to say, just this last week, almost three months after the final prayer challenge day, I found out I'd been chosen to receive a graduate apprenticeship, assistantship, working an average of 20 hours a week facilitating the online undergrad program. This assistantship provided... Complete tuition payment, that's the 12000 including a stipend of $1,000 a month. She said, for me, 12000 was impossible. Not only did God provide that, he did more than I could have thought and more than I even asked for. He gave me the 12000 plus the 9000 21000 for the year. And she said, this completely blew me away, but it's been one of the many blessings I've received as a result of prayer. Isn't that awesome? There, there is a relationship between believing his good, trusting in him, and looking to him, and he delights to move in our lives. He has a will, but he wants to facilitate his greatness coming to us, so he asks us to pray. Second thought today, this brings balance to this. Faith in God includes trusting God's will. Can't deny that in the Bible either. It's all through the Bible. For instance... God tells us that he'll use hard things in our lives to build us up, to teach us, and to help us. And so many Christians, this escapes them because we're not talking about what's in the Bible enough. And there's hardship in the Bible. Any man or woman of God that you read about in the Bible had tremendous difficulty. If you hear much about their story, you'll see they had to work through some things. You can also see that God was in the midst working in those things if you read about these great men and women in the Bible. Here it is for us. James 1, 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So God says, I allow things to come into your life that I will use to test your faith, to develop perseverance in you, to help you be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So we look at the life of Job, for instance. 
and we see that Job did nothing wrong. And here's where we have trouble, right? When we say, as we look at this topic I'm talking about today, when we talk about healing and we say, God, why'd you heal her daughter, but you didn't heal my daughter? I love you. Why aren't you there for me? Well, God's will is a factor. And God's so much more expansive and so much more knowledgeable and wise and know what comes before and after and what encircles that, that he has a plan sometimes that we don't get. And so what do we do? We pray and we ask for healing in this relationship, this trial, even our bodies. But then we trust God. The faith chapter. People use it often to talk about how you pray and believe and it happens. But let me show you what's in the faith chapter. Let's talk about it for a moment. At the first half of the chapter, that's Hebrews 11 called the faith chapter, the name it's been given because it's all about faith in there. It talks about Noah and Abraham and all these people who believed by faith and they did something by faith and God gave a great miracle that everyone could see. And that's usually the only part we read of the faith chapter. But if you read the bottom half of the chapter, it talks about people that were on the run people that were martyred, people that were literally sawn in two because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And here's what it says. The world was not worthy of them. They did not receive their prize here on this earth. The Bible says this about them. They were living by faith when they died. Wait, 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 what? They were living completely by faith when they died. And so this thought that if I pray, everything's always peachy keen, it's not, it's not in the Bible. The Bible talks about this place where there's no more pain, no more crying, no more tears. We know what that place is called. It's called heaven. But God says, in this life, you're going to have some trials. In Isaiah 55, it says this, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts, higher than your thoughts. So we pray for healing and it doesn't happen in our time frame. Does it mean that God doesn't do that. Does it mean that he doesn't like us or that he won't work for us because somehow we've messed up too much? No, it doesn't necessarily mean that. <clears throat> Sometimes we have to work through the mystery of it all. A couple of the young guys on the staff came with the conversation uh, this week that I thought was dynamic. <clears throat> they said, Pastor, we fear that sometimes um, we, we take the mystery out of life for believers by doing the rote A, B, C, D, or one, two, three. You do this, and good things will happen, and it's a quotient. But there's a certain mystery to it all, and it's never exactly the same in everybody's life. Meaning that when the trial happens, when the hardship is there, when the sickness is upon us, and we're praying and we're not healed, and we say, God, where are you? What we have to do is dig in and get into the journey, and here's what he says, you come close to me, and I'll come close to you. So, so someone's not healed immediately, but someone else is. We can get discouraged, but God says, just walk with me. I, I, I'm up to good. I'm good, and I love you, and I'm up to something good. And sometimes you just have to work through things. This has been a, a year that's had, held some physical trials for my family. As, as I have had cancer, uh, basal cell carcinoma, and please don't worry for me because it, it's not life-threatening in any way, but uh, I've mentioned before that I had 75 stitches in my face and on the top of my lip, they took out cancer about an inch long and a half, half inch wide. And, uh, you know, we, we worked through that. 
and a portion of my lip died, and you know, looking in the mirror, that's no fun, right? I told you I'm 53 and getting uglier every day, but I don't want to rush this, right? Just, can we just let it happen naturally? We're... <clears throat> and uh, that was emotionally painful for me a little bit. I'm going to have to have a little bit of reconstructive surgery down the line. And then, and then even what's, what's been harder for me is this trial that my daughter's been through in the last few years, uh, where she's been battling uh, Graves' disease and, and thyroid eye disease, and it caused some physical issues uh, of pain and, and, and emotional difficulty. And, and she had to have two surgeries in the last few months where they actually took her eyeballs out of her head, you know, and had to work in there and put them back, you know. Um, <laughs> And, and uh, I'm telling you, man, I didn't want this to happen. So here's my journey. Hey, God, how come when I pray for other people, you heal them, but you're not healing my daughter? Ever been there? Maybe he let me go through it so I could uh, understand what you go through a little more. And God kept saying this to me. Hey, do you trust me? Well, I know what the answer's supposed to be, right? Well, yeah, I, I trust you, God. And he kept telling me, I'm up to something. I'm doing something in her. Let me do it. Because it'll be good. So we're, we're still not completely, you know, thank God the surgeries and God's been with her and great things have happened. And, I, you know, I, I, I felt this struggle, you know, with even what's going on with me. But here's the deal. I told someone, we felt under attack in this season, but honest to goodness, we also felt completely under his wings. I mean, I never felt like he didn't have us. I knew he had us all the time. I knew he loved me. I knew he loved us as a family, my daughter. I knew he was with us. Here's the deal. When you can't track him, you can still trust him, right? Our story isn't completely written yet, but he's a good God. And I'm going to tell you this about my life. He doesn't have to heal me for me to be okay. I love him. I'm in. I want to go all the way, and I know this. Here, there, or in the air, he will heal me. So I'm not going to act like he's not good if he doesn't do it in just my timing, just, just the right way. He's good. He loves me. He provides all things at just the right time. Here's what a, a great Pentecostal theologian, and Pentecostal, that's a term if you don't understand, on the day of Pentecostal spirit fell, and these are the people, uh, you know, in the modern day, they call themselves Pentecostals, of which I'm actually one. Uh, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of a classic theological Pentecostal, um, and you may not know that I'm one of those tongue talkers. I hate to disappoint you, but I'll try not to do it right in your face, all right? <clears throat> but... But, you know, we're the people who believe in healing. We're the people who've seen healing. And, and a lot of the body of Christ didn't believe in healing for a long, long time. Predominantly, they do now. 20 years ago, they didn't. They, they believed that the gifts had ceased, cessationists, they call it. And so that they weren't available today. And now they just kind of all come to the conclusion, okay, he heals. All right. And so everybody's kind of praying for healing now. But from the Pentecostals comes some caution about this word of faith weirdness that's starting to spring up. So these are Pentecostals that I'm quoting. They're theologians that know the Bible quite well. And Michael Green says this, what nonsense it would make of Christian virtues like long-suffering, patience, and endurance if instant wholeness were available for the Christian sick. I mean, go clear out the hospital if you got it, you know. It's not gonna happen that way because God's asked us to pray for healing and he will heal, but he has this whole wisdom of everything in his hands. 
And so what we're doing is we're discovering his will to heal, and we're not praying enough for him to heal, so we're not seeing enough healing. But I'm telling you, he has a will to physically heal people, and we're not asking enough. And yet the balance of it is when we ask, we still have to trust him. I like what Warren Worsby says. There's wisdom in this. God's love for his own is not a pampering love. It's a perfecting love. So when it comes to Job's trial and my trial and your trial, he's perfecting us. He's not, he's not pampering us. He, here's the deal. I'm okay with God doing whatever he wants with my life as long as it's his will. I don't want to go through sickness that the enemy puts on me that I don't have to have or a bunch of weirdness that's just ridiculous because I'm not, I'm not asking for help from the Lord. And so, so as long as, but here's the deal. If God's in it, he's got a purpose and he's going to bring glory to his name. Right? We see that with Joseph. We see that with David in his trial when he's hiding out in caves. We, 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 we see that uh, with Deborah, the judge, uh, you know, in is- Israel in the Old Testament. We see it with Esther, who's fearful for her life when she goes before a king. These are all trials. But he had purpose in bringing us to a certain place at a certain time and working through our lives to show his glory. And often he used a really hard time to make it happen, to show his name. Here's another one, Stanley Horton, probably the, the, the greatest modern-day Pentecostal theologian. These are people who believe in healing, but they have balance. Stanley Horton is my Facebook friend. He's over 90 years old, <clears throat> and here's what he says. Another hindrance to biblical healing is what Blue calls the faith formula that focuses not on the divine power and desire to heal, but on human faith and confession. He points out that can-do American optimism has fused with Christian fundamentalism to spawn a triumphalistic theological hybrid, both attractive and dangerous. That's why I like him, because we talk the same all the time. We're, so, we're, we're both huge intellectuals. And, and, and he says, he's, he's quite a bit smarter than me, he says, it defines faith as if it were a technique by which one may manipulate the power of God. Who's in charge here? Do I tell God what to do or does God tell me what to do? Do I reveal to God what's supposed to be healed or does he reveal to me? Do I follow his will or I tell him to follow mine? Who's God? It promotes the sovereignty of human beings rather than the sovereignty of God. The issue that runs the faith formula ship aground is the absolute connection they claim to establish between faith as a cause and healing as an effect. Such a casual relationship between the two leaves little, if any, room for what might be called mitigating circumstances. Timing or chastisement. All these are factors that can come into play. And here's what he says, and he's an Assembly of God uh, theologian, a Pentecost theologian. He says, we deplore such reductionism. I can't tell you how many people have told, it, it just, it makes me angry. And I think it's a righteous anger when I hear about people saying, well, if you believed your child would be healed, you, you just don't have enough faith. Knock it off. Stop it. That's ridiculous. Yes, faith is required, but it's not my ability to, to believe it in my head. It's my, my ability to believe in him and, 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 and ask him and trust him. So when the paralytic was let down through the roof, you remember that story? Jesus is in the house. They can't get to him. They tear a hole, leaves and dirt falls down, they drop Jesus down, or they drop this man down that's paralyzed, Jesus prays and he's healed. Who did Jesus say, whose faith was it that healed that man that day? Faith of his friends. So we we already know it won't be my lack of faith that stops anything. 
I mean, I mean, we make, we make it out like God's this big, ornery, mean, old grandpa up there who, who we have to say it just right or he's going to smite us. Come on, man. He's a loving God. And he wants us to seek him and he's got good things. But, but we can walk this together. We can walk in love. We can pray and believe and we can trust. Because sometimes he's up to something that we don't get. I think of it this way. When I was 15 years old, I was hunting in eastern Oregon and it was really my first hunting trip with, uh, with, with adults, my first big elk, elk trip. And so, so we all stayed, I stayed in this trailer with a bunch of gassy old men, to be honest with you. And it was quite an experience. And, and, and um, so the, the first morning we go, we go out to hunt and they put me on the end and say, okay, walk over that ridge and come down the other side. And you're going to try, there's someone on the road, they're going to flush out the elk. And, you know, if there's any in there, you know, someone down there will get a shot at them. Sounds a little scary to me. I hope they know where to shoot, you know. And, and, but I say, okay, so I walk over the ridge, and they said, if you don't, you should hit a road in about a mile. If you don't hit it, just fire your gun a couple times, and we'll come get you. So I'm new at this. I've never done it before, right? I know how to shoot, but I, I don't know how to hunt. And so I, I, I go over the ridge, and, and it's early in the morning. The sun's shining. It just came out, and I, 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 I walk down over that ridge down to the bottom of the mountain. I can't find the road. Well, what happened was there was a ridge of a mountain, and instead of going down the same mountain that the rest of them were going, I went just off the other side of that ridge. So I'm on a different side now. And, and so I walk for a mile. I walk for two miles. I can't find a road. So I think, okay, they told me to fire two shots. I fire my rifle twice. But it's so far away sounding because I'm on the other side of the mountain from them that they think it's somebody else just taking shots somewhere. Well, they're hunting for a while. It takes them a couple hours to discover I'm gone. I don't know where I am. I'm in two feet of snow with fresh falling snow. It's hard to move. I'm tracking through there. I think uh, I got turned around. And um, so I started to walk for three hours and four hours. And then I thought, man, I am lost. And I walked for seven, eight, nine, ten hours all by myself, starting to sweat, needing to sit down and rest. But when I did, I would get a chill because of the sweat. Then I got up and darkness started to fall. And I'm, I'm 15, I don't know a whole lot, but I know this, if I sit down tonight to sleep, I'm going to die because I'll freeze to death. I'm, I'm, already, I'm already too wet. So I made this decision. I'm, uh, you know, I started praying and I started saying, God, help me. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know which way to go. I, I could die out here. Lord, please help me. All through the day this is going on and at night just as the sun is setting and darkness has fallen, I spot a campfire, which is a beautiful sight. But to my surprise, as I'd been praying, I walked into the campfire, and it was our camp where we had stayed. I must have walked 10 miles that day. And there was my dad and those old gassy men sitting in a circle praying that I would show up. And I I said that story to say this, that the mystery of it for you and your trial might be kind of like that. You might feel lost. You may not know where you're at. You may not know where God is and how to get to God. But when you can't track him, you can trust him. And when you'll pray and you'll ask God, you can know this, that he's good, that he hears you, that he loves you, and he'll be moving on your behalf. It may not be like you want. It may not be what you planned, but it's going to be better in the end if you trust him. Now, I know that our own sinfulness can sometimes take us into places where bad things happen because we're in the wrong spot with the wrong people doing the wrong things. And, and, and that we have to take responsibility for. But I also know that sickness will come on, on you, that you didn't, you didn't bring it. Trials will come that somebody else brought upon you. You didn't do it. 
And you might say, God, where are you? Just trust him and hold on to him and pray for healing and pray for the miracle and watch, he will work. Hebrews 11, here it is. I spoke of it earlier. These people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things that were promised to them. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. And in verse uh, 40, it says this, God had planned something better for them. What? These are the people that, that went to heaven, what we would call prematurely. But the world was not worthy of them. God had planned something better. And it says, only together with us, they would be made perfect. So, so in the end, we just have to trust no matter what. And we have to know that, that here, there, or in the air, we are going to be healed. And our God is trustworthy. We can trust him because he gives us heaven forever where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. John 16, Jesus said, I've told you this so that you may have peace in me. In this world, you have many trials and sorrows. Isn't it interesting that knowing it's, that, that Jesus said it'll give you peace to know that trials come? It's interesting that we think trials have come because God doesn't like us, but he's saying it's normal in life. It's normal, but trust in me. Here's what he said. But take heart because I've overcome the world. So we keep our eyes on him. We look to Jesus. We follow him. Here's a story. It's, it's a story that, that of someone who couldn't track him, but they trusted him. It's Jenny Conley's story. Some of you know what's happened this week. Jenny is our youth pastor David's wife. And I asked her to write this story out for us this morning. She said, earlier this year, we began a journey of prayer and fasting and drawing a circle. On my list, the biggest item, children. For seven years, the word infertility has been a part of my vocabulary. Honestly, she says, every Mother's Day hurts like a t-shirt on freshly sunburned shoulders. The Lord spoke clearly one day, and he said this, if I never heal you, if, you never, if I never give you children, am I enough? She said, I came face to face with my fear and inadequacy I felt as a woman. And then it reminded me of that five-year-old little girl I once was in Sunday school class. I said yes to Jesus again. I began taking every thought captive, she says. My mind was no longer a place the enemy could discourage me. My heart became filled with worship and new songs to the Lord. Not only did Jesus become enough, he became everything. Just over a week ago, Jenny says, we received a call, and this week I'm bringing home children I've dreamt of for so long. Seven years of this, God, where are you? Why can't my body be healed? Why can't I have children? She says, I'm bringing home the children I've dreamt of for so long. That's right, children, twin boys, two-year-old Wyatt and Levi. Looking over my circle prayer notes, that was from the early, earlier this year, she says, looking over those notes tonight, I can't stop laughing because I'm looking at what I wrote down for Isaiah 61.7, and here's what it says, that God can give you a double portion. <laughs> and I wrote in my notes, it's in her notes from months ago, God, where are my twins? I want the double portion. And when the birth mother showed me their photos Monday, she says, I instantly remembered a dream of about six years ago where I had twin boys in this dream. And I looked into the eyes in that picture of the boys that were in my dream. She said the bond was instant and powerful, all from a photograph. 
these were my children. Somehow I knew them. I get to hold them in my arms Monday. That's happened already. We bring them home Thursday. That's happened already. I'll celebrate my first Mother's Day. That's happened today. You want children? Baby, here you go. Two-year-olds. That... <laughs> so they're home, David and Jenny, with the two-year-olds, and they're, they're acclimating them to, to home today. They didn't want to bring them because they're just getting to know them, right? What an awesome day. She said, I'll celebrate my first Mother's Day. If my heart were a stomach, it, I'd think it was Thanksgiving. I'm so full, she said. I'm celebrating this day, and it's full of runny noses, poopy diapers, lots of laughs, and tears of joy. I'm humbled by God's mercy, overwhelmed by his love, and covered by his grace. So God, where are you? Seven years, where are you? I love you. I gotcha, I gotcha, trust me. Hold on to me, stay close to me. Because there's a couple boys coming who don't have parents. And I've chosen you for them. And I've chosen them for you. And you might not have taken them if you had your own. So this is how I'm going to do it, but it's good. And then when it comes, it's not only good, it's awesome. I have a feeling we're going to know those two little guys around here in time. Wyatt and Levi. And isn't it wonderful that God knows them? When you can't track them, you can trust them. When it's not days or weeks or months, but it's years, trust him. He's good. He's up to something. And it's always good. Whatever he does, his work is good. Third thought today, pray and believe and you will receive. Now, when I say you will receive, here, there, or in the air, there's a, there's, a, there's a heart of expectation to trust him and know that he's bringing good. James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. So it says, again, this is for normal people, not just, you know, the godly priesthood that you, because you tend to think, hey, we got to get other people to pray for us. Listen, I, I love to pray for you, and, and, and I, I can have faith. Sometimes it's easier to have faith for others than yourself, right? But I, I know he's good, and I, I want to pray for you, but I don't want you to be limited to me or the few pastors or elders that are around here, because we might not be present someday, but Jesus always is. And we might not have a t- enough time, but Jesus always has time. And the moment you call on him and you ask him, he says, Pray for each other that you may be healed. So how about if you started that, if you've never done it before, how about if you just start to pray? You say, well, it might not happen. Okay, we got a little bit of doubt. We got to overcome there. But um, uh, if there's no reason to doubt, there's no reason to have faith, right? So so faith is overcoming doubt. So we overcome it by praying, saying, God, uh, this might be you. You don't know a lot about it. Okay, here I am. I don't talk to you quite enough, but I believe you're good. I believe you love me. My daughter's really sick, and, and, and the doctors say it's going to take a long time, but God, I pray that you would touch her. I'm just telling you, that's precious to him. When he hears your voice and your heart believing in him and trusting him, and you're asking him, man, the best thing I could do for you is encourage you to find him for yourself every day, because he's there ready to bless you. God wants us to believe in him and trust him. So 
There's a name here that some of you know that I want to talk about today, Monty Williams. Monty was a coach, an assistant coach for the Portland Trailblazers for three years, and he attended church here uh, for a few years. He is now um, uh, the, the, um, the head coach for the New Orleans Pelicans. What a great dynamic uh, mascot that is. Um, they changed it from the Jazz to the Pelicans this year. So he's the head coach in a, for an NBA team, but was here with the Blazers. Speaking of a trial, uh, th- there's a team going through a trial right now, but we, we, we love them, and so does God. Um, but, but Monty, here's his story. Mon- Monty was a, was a great basketball player, a six foot ten, he graduated from high school as an All American. He went to Notre Dame to play under the, uh, the the legendary coach Digger Phelps. And during his sophomore year, following the sudden death of a of a college athlete, the athlete's name was Hank Gathers. Um, due to heart trouble, uh, all the colleges went on alert and were checking their own athletes for heart problems. And when they checked Monty, he was at Notre Dame playing well, doing super. It revealed this condition called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, or HCM, and that's the disease uh, which affects the the heart muscles and thickens them, and it's the leading cause of sudden cardiac cardiac death in young athletes. So Monty had this thing that all the athletes were being checked for. And because of this, Notre Dame was not willing to risk liability, so they took him off the floor and they wouldn't let him play anymore. As a matter of fact, they banned him from even going in the gym and playing on his own because of his heart condition. Well, he was brokenhearted. Here's a guy that had the NBA ahead of him, was already being looked at that way, a great athlete. Matter of fact, when he, we were down here praying in the altar one time a few years ago, and uh, I had closed my eyes and Monty had come down. He was right in front, six foot ten. He had his hands up like this, and I used to be a point guard, and I opened my eyes, and when I saw him, I thought, he's posting up. Get him the ball. The big man wants the ball. (laughs) But he was just praising the Lord is what it was and seeking God, and that's what he did here for two years because he couldn't play anymore. But after two years and much prayer from him, his family, his friends, his pastors, his church, he went to the National Institute of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, where he was tested again. So the National Institute of Health in Bethesda, Maryland doesn't miss on this, okay? And he went back to them. Um, and they were shocked because this time, after all the testing, his heart was completely well and they couldn't figure it out. After much prayer and believing God for healing, his test came out normal and he was healed. He was allowed to return to play college basketball. Following graduation, he was the number 24 pick in the NBA draft in the first round by the New York Knicks. And although he'd been given a clean bill of health, the Knicks were still a little bit fearful, so they kept the cardiac arrest machine under the bench at all times. (laughs) But Monty never needed it, and he hasn't needed it up to this day. Later, he returned to Bethesda again to that National Institute of Health where doctors performed tests on his heart and they told him this, that he had the strongest heart that they had ever seen. Wow. So not only he's healed, but it's just way better than most people's hearts. So, so how does this all work? He's awesome. He's compassionate. You're his child. And he says this, ask me. And then trust me. So this whole sermon today is about encouraging you to to let God pick up the rock 
that place that's hard, that thing that's difficult, give it, just invite him in and say, God, bring your miracles and your power because your power is much greater than my own. Decide in your heart to seek him, to ask him for healing. He could use you in a moment to bring supernatural healing just imparted through you to another's life or body. In James 5.14, it says this, Are there any sick among you? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. So this is the New Testament. He asked believers to pray for healing with one another. And then he says, have, have them come for healing and have the elders of the church anoint them with oil and pray for them. The oil is a sign of the Holy Spirit. And, and where the Holy Spirit and oil is the, in, the, in the Bible, you find healing. So that's not weirdness, because we have oil here this morning. We're going to pray for people this morning. And then it says, and the prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make them well, and anyone who's committed sins will be forgiven. So do you need healing in your body today? Do you need a miracle from God? Is your business falling apart? Are your kids rebelling? Is there a desperate loneliness in your heart? Do you need healing in your marriage? Healing in a relationship? Do you have a prodigal son or daughter? Do you have a, a family member addicted to alcohol or drugs? Or are you addicted to alcohol or drugs? Do you need healing from pornography? Do you need the Lord to lift that depressing feeling that's on you all the time? Let him pick up the rock. Let's ask him today.